Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I'd like to first start with um, the verse from Isaiah, Old Testament, um, the prophet Isaiah wrote these um, verses, um, it's from uh, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When we listen to these Old Testament, um, when I listen to these verses, I always thought of a very powerful, mighty God who is in control and um, God who's got everything planned for us. Um, And um, this is the start of our journey today, knowing that God is really in control. Um, As Brian and Rico have already um, started the story of Peter in the last few sermons, um, we'll just continue with Peter, um, the apostle that followed Jesus through um, Jesus's life on earth and continued to follow Jesus after um, Jesus was crucified and raised back. Um, And as we follow his journey, um, I realized that Peter also grew up listening to these these verses. He knew that God was in control. Um, God was, his ways were always higher than our ways and that God was mighty, powerful and in control. Um, There's also Frederick Buchner who um, writes a lot about God's grace and says that people are always prepared for God who strikes hard bargains but they're not prepared for a God who gives as much for an hour's wages as a day's. And Peter didn't know God's grace yet. He knew of a God in control. So um, let's look at how Peter met Jesus. Um, In Luke 5, there's the story of how um, Peter met Jesus. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, however you want to say the G, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So um, so Jesus was speaking the word of God as they crowded around him. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing the nets. Um, So these fishermen, we learn later, is Peter and someone else. So Jesus, he got into into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out the boat a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Peter's sitting next to Jesus in this boat away in the lake. Um, And then when Jesus finished speaking, he said to Peter, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So Simon must have really already liked um, Jesus by now because he does what Jesus asks him to do. Um, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled their partners to come and help them, and they came and filled the boats to the full, and the boats began to sink. Now, we see how um, 
Peter sees that Jesus is in control of nature. Right here, we see that Peter notices Jesus can control fish in the water and um, he can control whatever environment you see around. And Simon Peter saw this and he fell to Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. Peter is not illusioned about how good he is. He knows he's sinful. He does not have a very high opinion of himself. And um, he still asks Jesus to leave because he is ready for a God who's in control, but he's not ready for a God who sits next to him and fishes with him. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken, and so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus says to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats upon the shore let every, uh, and left everything and followed him. So here's Peter, who's now seen that God's in control, but there's something more to this person. So he's got no... Um, He's got no objection to just leave everything and figure out what is this that Jesus got that, um, that, that he wants to see what, what's all of this about. And from that moment, you already see that Peter is very definitely on Jesus' side. He's chosen a side. He's already decided he's on Team Jesus. I mean, he's all for Jesus. But um, we also see right there, that um, there's something for a long time that Peter doesn't get. Um, let me illustrate a concept, right? You can be for something for a very, very long time without definitely getting it, okay? Um, we were all on one or the other side at co when COVID hit, but we didn't really get it, okay? If we can be very honest, we don't really get it. And, um, um, you can, you can really support something, but it can take you a long time to learn that you get it. And that's, that's Peter's journey, right about there. Um, he's on Jesus' side, but he doesn't get it. We've all done it. I've done it. Um, in 2015, uh, my friend Alex and I, we were looking at a YouTube video she'd gotten. It was this amazing race. Um, that um, there was this pro rider, of course, for a YouTube video, they'd choose a pro rider. Um, he was riding through these amazing mountains and fields and green scenery. It's lush green. You can see it's cool and um, cool as in temperature cool, but it's also cool as in how this person goes around these switchbacks. And, um, and then this race starts in, in Cape Town and these hills and then lands you three days later at the ocean where the whales are. So that was magnificent, right? So we looked at this YouTube video and we go, we should do this. The only problem was we didn't know how to cycle for mountain bike. So it's eight months from the race and Alex and I go, we're gonna commit for this. So we, I didn't even have a bike, Alex had a bike. So we like, okay, we're gonna pay for this. So we committed, right? So there, we don't know what we're doing, but we committed. We look at the race, we committed, we pay for it. So we start training. I, get, I buy a bike, we go to Farm Vinduk, we've looked at some videos on how to do mountain bike, right? Go down the hill, YouTube, great help for mountain biking, not. 
You go down the first, we didn't know that there were different tracks that you're supposed to start slow. We didn't know anything. So Alex is a pro athlete in other things. So she's well coordinated. She goes down this hill. I look at it, go, okay, you know, we can do this. Go down, face planted straight into a rock, broke four ribs, get up, um, go back home. And then I'm like, I don't get it. You know, so that's what we named our team. I don't get it. So <laughs> then months later, so a few weeks later, I get back on the bike. Next thing, I land straight in a thorn bush. Again and again, we get up and I'm like, I don't get it. Um, and I just see Peter going, I don't get it. Um, and then we, um, a few weeks from the race, we still, I still wasn't anywhere close to a good rider. So we printed the back of this shirt. I still don't get it. <laughs> um, and then we went, did the race. Somewhere along the race, something clicked and I got it. Not that I'm a pro rider. I still fell many times. But the beauty and the amazing flow, somewhere something clicked and we get it. So this is Peter's journey from I don't get it to I get it. And um, I would just like to um, just point out a few verses. So you've got, the, um, you've got Peter before the cross and you've got Peter after the cross. The stories of Peter before the cross is recorded in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Peter writes about his journey in 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and their stories about him in Acts that are after um, Jesus was resurrected. So we see this amazing contrast um, in Peter's journey. And I'd just like to illustrate three contrasts here. One is from Matthew 16, 21 to 22, where from that time on, so from that time on, as in when Jesus, um, uh, uh, this is middle of Jesus's journey um, while on earth, and he started explaining to his disciples what was gonna to happen to him. So from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Peter looks, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, have you ever tried to control somebody else's situation? I have. I've tried to control other people's situation. I have spoken into people's situation. <laughs> I have told very dear friends here that I have peace about their very toxic <laughs> situation I'm about to push them into. <laughs> We're still friends because she didn't take my advice. <laughs> so this is Peter before the cross. And after the cross, when he writes in 1 Peter 1, 6, he gets it. He says, all, in all this, you greatly rejoice. He's talking about people suffering. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trial. He stopped controlling people. He stopped controlling situations. He's, he is now in the business of rejoicing in the Lord. Somewhere along the line, he gets it. The second example is um, from John 13, 33. Um, 
This is very important to Jesus because Jesus is instructing his disciples as he is about to leave. So Jesus knows that he's about to leave. He's about to go. He's going to be crucified. He can foresee this. So he wants his disciples to be very, very prepared for this. So he's about to give him the most important instruction. It's like when your mom goes away and gives you instruction on how to water the plants. So you pay attention, right? When you're about to leave, um, then you tell your colleagues what they need to do. So they pay attention. Okay, this person's not gonna be there, so I better pay attention. So the disciples need to pay attention. My children, I'll only be with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. So he's already told them, I'm going, you can't come there, pay attention. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. This was very important. This is what uh, the new, this is what the gospel is about. This is why Jesus came to earth, so that we love one another. So Simon Peter goes, Lord, where are you going? <laughs> um, totally doesn't get it. <laughs> I mean, I think Jesus is going, you need that shirt right now. <laughs> you don't get it, what I'm about, what I'm saying. But somewhere along the line, he does get it. In 1 Peter 1.22, we see, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another, one another deeply from the heart. These are now Peter's verses. This is what Peter writes to, in, in his letter um, as he's instructing the elders and, um, uh, and, and as he's instructing us. Um, he finally moves on and gets what Jesus was really talking about. And the third example is um, one of, um, it's, it's the biggest tragedy. I call it the biggest, the most tragic story. I can't read the story without cringing every single time. It's, it's the one where um, Peter betrays Jesus um, in John 13. I'm not gonna read all the, the whole story, but we know the story. Um, Peter, um, uh, Jesus has been telling them how he's going, to be, um, uh, he's going to be betrayed and he's going to be handed over to be crucified. He's telling them that they are going to betray him. And Peter takes him aside and says, even if everyone betrays him, I will not betray you. I truly believe that in that moment, Peter believed that. He wasn't lying to Jesus. He really believed that he had the self-control and the ability to stand next to Jesus. We always think, like Dana says, we always think highly of ourselves. <laughs> so right then, he really believes that. But then his mouth opens in all three occasions, and his brain just does not believe his heart. He, he just... He, what comes out of his mouth is not what he'd planned it would. Um, and he chickens out three times. Um, and he weeps, um, but he can't take back what he said. Um, but now, after the resurrection, you see in Acts 4, 19 and 20, Peter and John, so now the situation's different. Um, it's a different context. Um, in Acts, we're now seeing how Peter and John are now um, proclaiming the gospel, um, but the authorities are asking Peter and John to shut up. They're asking him, please, them, please don't speak about um, 
uh, Jesus, but there will be serious consequences if you disobey us. But then Peter and John reply to all these um, high priests and say, but Peter and John replied, whether it is right before God to obey you rather than God, you decide, for it is impossible for us not to speak about what we've seen and heard. So that's Peter's stand after, after the cross. Something changed. Something infused in Peter an incredible amount of courage after the cross. We know that it is the death and resurrection of Jesus that gives us the courage, that gives us um, the grace to accept forgiveness and to move on in life. This grace and forgiveness that's available through the cross is available to everyone in every situation. Um, I, I, I'm not a theologian, but I do want to believe that even Judas had the same opportunity to receive grace that Peter had. Peter denied Jesus and so did Judas. Um, the only difference is Judas did not um, feel like he could walk back into grace, but Peter figured out that he could walk back into this grace and um, what we need to figure out is what is it that in our lives is obstructing us from receiving this grace that is available to all of us. Um, as I was reading through um, the book of 1 Peter, I came across one of the most fascinating verses. I've read it many times, but this is the first time it actually clicked. Um, I got it. <laughs> Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Not Peter had seen God's control. He could have written, cast all your anxiety on him because he controls all your circumstances. He could have written, cast all your anxiety on him because he knows all about you. Or he could have written, cast all your anxiety about him because he controls the universe. But he chose the word care. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Somewhere along the line, he figured that Jesus caring for him was one of the most important truths in his life. Um, Jesus, Peter had seen everything. He had walked with Jesus, very close to Jesus while Jesus was here. He knew that um, Jesus could control the fish. He could control the storm. He could control diseases. He could control fig trees. He could control everything. But that knowledge of Peter knowing that Jesus controls everything was just not enough for Peter to not deny Jesus. It was only after he figured something that we all need to figure that Jesus cares for us. Um, recently, um, I was admitted at an hospital. After the surgery, um, the night after the surgery, the painkillers wore off, I woke up, and as I woke up, it was middle of the night, and uh, I looked at this blood pressure monitor that was attached to me, and I'm going, you know what, my blood pressure is a little bit low. And then the nurse came in, she said, here is, um, uh, I'm here to give you morphine because your painkiller must have run out. And my body's going, yes, my painkillers run out. And my brain's going, your blood pressure's low. If she gives you morphine, you'll fall asleep, then you can't monitor your blood pressure. So, um, <laughs> because obviously it's my job to monitor my blood pressure. So, um, she, she's like, I'm like, are you sure you should give me morphine right now while my blood pressure is low? Um, 
the chances of morphine dropping your blood pressure is as much as a meteorite hitting us right now. So the probability is almost nil, but I didn't want to be out of control. So she looks at the doctor in front of my name and wants to believe me that the morphine's gonna drop my blood pressure, it doesn't. But I just wanted to be in control. So she looks at me and goes, are you, are you in pain? And my body's going yes, and my brain's going no, and my mouth says no. <laughs> so I obviously refused this painkiller. The next day, the doctor comes in. I'm in excruciating pain. And then she looks at me, and she's like, are you in pain? I'm like, yes. She's like, you refused the morphine. I'm like, yeah, my blood pressure was a bit low. So she's afraid, this doctor, so she leans straight into my face. My eyes were cross-eyed with pain, and I was almost del delirious. She's like, do you know what your problem is? And I had a feeling she was going to tell me whether I wanted to hear it or not. She's like, you feel like you need to be in control all the time. And my brain's going, what's wrong with that? <laughs> so she says, you know what? I cannot care for you if you do not release control. So I nod in agreement. She tells me I'm never allowed to instruct her nurse again. And um, she does the kindest act of grace ever. She makes a nice little concoction of painkiller, puts it up on my IV, and I had the best trip of my life. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> they're like elephants and koalas and everything, okay? <laughs> So, there we go, control, never the plan of the universe. <laughs> so, as we look back onto Peter's life, and as he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, we realize he's heard the word care before. He's heard it from Jesus' mouth. We know the story of when um, Jesus restores Peter. Um, it's when... Um, Peter is back, uh, he's denied Jesus, he's back into um, fishing, really feeling guilty, and there he sees Jesus on the shore, and he swims, doesn't care for anything, goes to Jesus, and this is what Jesus tells Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, not control my sheep, not take in charge of my sheep, care for my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he had, Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here is Jesus handing over a ministry of care to Peter and restoring Peter. And if you read 1 and 2 Peter, you'd see the, you'll read the word care many, many, many times. He keeps telling the elders, the wives, the husbands to care for each other. This is the ministry of care that, um, that's been handed down to Peter. Um, Peter did not change because he encountered God's control. Peter changed because he encountered God's care. And just like Peter, we change when we understand that God delights in us. God cares for us. 
and that Jesus is very, very, very fond of us, um, that is really when we truly change. Not when we know, a lot of people do change when they know that God controls the universe, but we truly change from the inside when we realize that God cares for us. The book of Genesis is the book um, of, oh, we agree that that's the book where God's plan for creation is laid down for us. It's how God um, planned the universe to go. If um, some of us would have written um, this verse 215 from the book of, uh, in the book of Genesis, including me, um, at certain times of my life, I think this is how I would have written it. Um, God put man into the Garden of Eden to work it, to be productive, to be efficient, to make sure he does not waste any time, effort, or resources, to double the turnover every two months, and to make sure that the success and the fame of the garden is known all around the world. That's how I would have written it sometimes in my life. <laughs> but the author of Genesis writes, the Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And then he has the audacity to put a full stop there. That's it. There is nothing else beyond it. It's a ministry of care. Um, but what is the definition of care? The definition of care is Jesus. Jesus is what, whom we look at to care for us and whom we look at to care for others. That is our standard. The design of this world has always been care. And we need to know that um, God cares for us so we can accept his grace. But we've adulterated this care with control. We all do it. Um, what would marriages look like if spouses cared for each other rather than try to control each other and control each other's situation? Um, easy for a single person to say. Um, <laughs> what would work look like if employers cared for, for their employees rather than um, try to control them? Um, what would nations look like if um, governments cared for people rather than um, controlled them? We were designed for care, and we were designed to care for people and for people to care for us. And I'm just asking us um, and inviting us to walk back into this amazing design that God has for us. Um, and um, when he wonderfully and um, fearfully created us um, was to care for each other. So let's walk back into that um, wonderful design. Um, if we truly believe um, that, uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If we truly believe this, then we need to find out what are God's ways. What is he saying here? What are his ways? Um, his ways are the ways of love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and care. Our ways are the ways of control, manipulation, power. Um, today, I'm inviting us all to make a choice to follow his ways. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we delight in you but I'm overwhelmed with the thought that you delight in us, Lord, far more than we can ever know and comprehend. 
Lord, I ask you to please teach us to walk in your ways, Lord, um, that we will at any junction choose your ways over our ways, even when your ways are harder than we prepared for, Lord, that we will truly choose your ways, Lord. Teach us to walk in those and give us the courage when we don't have. Um, Lord, we love Jesus and I thank you for Jesus, Lord. And um, God, I just ask you that you will help us know him more every moment. In your precious name we pray, amen. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.